he wakes up with the six two of clubs and three bets to six thousand bucks this is loose this is splashy and this is unnecessary that said I think Rick is the type of player who generally plays pretty normally, but then every once in a while just gets really, really out of line. Hello everyone, I'm Jonathan Little. I'm here today with episode 338 of Weekly Poker Hand. I want to thank you for being here with me today. We're going to be going through a hand from High Stakes Poker. This is a 400-800 No Limit Texas Hold'em game. You can watch all of the episodes on Poker Go, so make sure you check that out at PokerGo.com. The action's been fast and furious, lots of loose, splashy play. I realize that this game is going to play, well, a little bit bigger than the games most of us are used to. I don't think I've ever played 400, 800. Biggest I've played is only 200, 400. So this is a big game for me. It's probably a big game for everyone. But many of the plays that are happening in this game happen very frequently in deep stacked cash games. And I actually am going to be discussing this a ton over the next 30 days at PokerCoaching.com. We are having a 30 day cash game challenge right now where every day I send you some actionable information to make sure that you have the skills required to crush the cash games that you are playing. So check that out right now at pokercoaching.com slash cash game challenge. All right, here we have Jean Robert Blonde raising it up with ace nine of spades. He's been playing pretty reasonably. Rick Solomon, who I don't really know all that well, but he has about $10 million in live tournament earnings from um, mostly playing very, very high-stakes games. I believe he got famous for um, having recorded promiscuous activities with Paris Hilton. He wakes up with the 6-2 of clubs and 3 bets to 6000 bucks. This is loose, this is splashy, and this is unnecessary. That said... I think Rick is the type of player who generally plays pretty normally, but then every once in a while just gets really, really out of line. And, well, this is really out of line. Now, around to Brandon Steven. You may not know him, but I've played a bunch of poker tournaments with him. He is an excellent business person. He is a father. He uh, owns 12 car dealerships, 50 health clubs, two pro hockey teams. He's a real estate developer. He has $3 million in live tournament earnings. He gets in there, he battles, and um, I like him a lot. He wakes up with the ace-queen offsuit and decides to just call. And I think you can go either way here. This is a spot where if you do three bet, I guess this would be a four bet, wouldn't it? If you do four bet to, let's say, $18,000 out of your $200,000 stack, and then Rick Solomon opts to put in the five bet to any amount, 50000 60000 whatever, your ace-queen all of a sudden becomes a pretty marginal bluff catcher. And who knows if Rick is playing just really good cards or if he is all of a sudden well out of line, right? Um, so for that reason, I think on the button especially, you can still call in the spot. I would probably not call like ace-jack offsuit. If I had ace-jack suited, I would definitely call. Um, ace-10 suited, I would probably call. So I'm calling with basically good, big suited cards here and a lot of pairs. And you may say, why call with pairs? Normally when there's a raise in a three bet, you just fold the small pairs. But notice here we're playing very, very deep stack, 250-ish big blinds, right? In this scenario, when you are playing really deep stacked, as long as you don't think you're going to get re-raised by someone yet to act, you actually can call with the pairs because you're getting pretty good implied odds. And that's exactly what happens for Tom Duan here in the small blind. He has to put in $6,000. What is that? 15 big blinds? Normally, putting in 15 big blinds out of position with a small pair is not ideal when you're calling, when someone else could re-raise. But he probably knows John Robert is not going to get too out of line in this spot because it's clear at least Tom Dwan and Brandon Steven have something reasonable. 
So this is a spot where I think I like the call of the pocket fives. You're putting in 15 big blinds to potentially get a full double up off of Rick Solomon and Tom Duan's shoes for $300,000. So you're putting in six to try to win a total of, well, 300 from Rick. So you're getting something like 50 to one implied odds, which is quite a lot. Normally with your small pairs, you wanna be getting eh, 10 to 12 to one implied odds, depending on the exact scenario. And here he's getting substantially more than that. Now, obviously he's not going to always stack Rick Solomon when he makes a set, right? Um, but I think he can count on being able to see the flop a lot of the time. So he's not going to call 6,000 and get blown off of it by a re-raise from John Robert. And if he does get a five, he's gonna play really, really well post-flop. His hand's gonna be kind of disguised and he'll be able to play great and um, get a lot of implied odds here. So I think calling in this spot with the small pairs is viable. That is what he does. Back around to Jean Robert, and he has a pretty easy call. He has to put in 4,000 to win a total of what will be 25. So I mean, he's getting really, really good pot odds with a suited ace. He is gonna be very dominated here. So this is a spot where if you do flop top pair, you have to be quite careful. You can't just like automatically stack off with it, right? What a lot of people do wrong in this spot is they call with the ace nine, then they just literally never fold it if an ace or a nine comes. And that's going to definitely be a pretty big mistake. So you wanna make sure in this spot you're calling mainly for your two pair trips and um, flush value. All right, we see the flop four ways, $26,000 in the pot. Flop comes ace of clubs, jack of clubs, six of hearts, giving Rick Solomon the pre-flop three better. Bottom pair and a flush draw, pretty good hand. And Brandon Steven, top pair, good kicker. And Jean Robert, top pair, bad kicker. Tom Dwan has nothing. Tom Dwan checks, Jean Robert checks. This is a spot where both these players will check to the initial, well, the last aggressor on the previous betting round, who is Rick Solomon. And now Rick has two options here. He can either check or bet. And I think both plays in this scenario are viable. If you bet on ace, jack, six and get called, you're almost certainly behind, right? And when you're not behind, you're against a really good draw like you know, King, Queen of Clubs, which has plenty of equity. So I'm not actually in love with betting here, but at the same time, as long as you're betting in a spot where you don't expect to get raised too often, I think it's fine. The problem though here is that it's very easy for Brandon Steven or Tom Duan or Jean Robert to have pocket jacks, pocket sixes, or ace jack, all of which may put in a raise. And the thing is, is... A lot of people look at a pair and a flush draw, like what Rick Solomon has here, and think, okay, I'm roughly 50-50 against most of my opponent's hands. The problem, though, is that against the hands that want to play for all the money, you're actually in pretty bad shape. Like in this scenario, if you get it in against two pair, now you're just drawing to a flush or your trip sixes. If you get it in against a set, you're drawing just to a bad flush, right? So you have to be a little bit careful in the spot betting. And... Um, I think I would probably just check here. This is a hand that can really easily check call. It's nice and disguised. If you get a six or a two on the turn, that's great. And if it checks through on the flop and you see the turn and someone bets, you can still stick around. So I'm usually a little bit cautious in these scenarios, but I could certainly get behind the idea of betting, especially if you expect to have a lot of fold equity by the river. So he does bet 12,000. Brandon Steven elects to call, which I think is fine. In this scenario, Brandon Steven has a good solid bluff catcher. If Rick has a premium hand, it's Pocket aces, which you lose to. Ace king, which you lose to. Ace jack, which you lose to. Or pocket jacks, right? So against that range, he definitely doesn't want to raise. And against draws, well, whatever draws Rick has, has pretty decent equity. So this is a spot where I think Brandon has a pretty easy call. Tom Dwan has an easy fold. And back around to Jean Robert, this is a spot where, like we, I mentioned earlier, a lot of people really mess up. You get this top pair on the flop. It's normally pretty good. But when it goes bet call in front of you, this is actually a pretty easy fold, unless your opponents are both insane. And... Um, you know, Brandon Steven is 
a reasonable poker player. He's not too insane. And like I said, Rick is usually in line, not this time, but usually. So I think this is a pretty easy fold for Jean Bear, but a lot of people screw this up and they call or they raise and light $12,000 on fire. But Jean Bear plays it well. He just gets out of the way. All right, turns and eight. This is where the hand gets interesting and I think very educational. If you are in Rick's shoes here with your 6-2 suited, what would you do? Would you check? Would you bet small, like $15,000? Would you bet medium, like $30,000? Or would you bet big, like $50,000? I want you to pause the video and write in the comments below what you would do because doing this process, actively learning, is going to go a long way to helping you improve your skills. So go ahead, do it. I'll wait for you. Okay, did you do it? Good. This is a spot where I think Rick Solomon probably needs to use his hand as a triple barrel bluff. The reason is because if he checks and Brandon Steven checks behind, Rick is really only winning this hand whenever he improves on the river, which he will improve a decent amount of the time, but it's not really a great scenario. If he checks and Brandon Steven bets, if Rick check calls, now again, he's only really winning when he improves on the river. However, if he bets the turn in this scenario, I think it's pretty unlikely he gets raised. Because in this spot, when Brandon Steven just calls the flop bet, he probably doesn't have a whole lot of two pairs and sets, right? Which means he probably has a whole lot of top pairs and a whole lot of draws. Well, top pairs are going to call a turn bet, but if you put him all in on the river, I think you're going to end up getting Brandon Steven to fold, even a hand as good as ace-queen a large chunk of the time. And it could very easily just be the right play to find big folds in this scenario. Because remember, Rick re-raised preflop, bet into three opponents on the flop, and then if he bets something like forty-five or 50000 on the turn, and Brandon calls, pot goes up to one hundred fifty. Brandon has 135 left, Rick can then go all in on the river for about the size of the pot, and put Brandon in a pretty bad spot. And even with a hand as good as ace-queen, it's definitely a really marginal scenario. And I think in this scenario, ace-queen is going to be one of the best hands Brandon can have. Um, the only way betting the turn goes horribly wrong is if you bet and then Brandon goes all in. Then you have to put in 135 to try to win, ugh, what, be about 400,000 bucks. So you're getting almost the right price to call, assuming even you're against a really, really strong range. But like I said, I don't expect Rick to be against a really strong range all that often here. Um, if you do expect Brandon to shove over a bet, then you should probably not bet. But I don't think that's typically what's going to happen in this scenario. However, Rick does what a lot of people do here, and he just snap checks. Checks very quickly. When that happens, usually that's an indication of a very clear marginal made hand that does not want to bet because it's not quite good enough and it also does not want to really consider bluffing which i do actually think this is a hand rick should probably turn into a, a big semi-bluff in this scenario given rick's range contains aces jacks ace jack ace king ace queen ace six suited right rick has all the nut hands here so given rick has all the nut hands i think he should bluff it but he doesn't he snap checks it when he snap checks Brandon should now assume he has the best hand the vast majority of the time. And you may say, why? Couldn't he have ace-king? Couldn't Rick have ace-king? Yeah, Rick could have ace-king here. But when he snap checks, ace-king is probably about the best hand he could have. 
And if Ace-King is the best hand he could have, it means he also has Ace-10, Ace-9, Ace-7, Ace-5, right? He has all these hands. He could also have a hand like Pocket Kings. He could have a hand like King-Jack suited, right? There's all sorts of hands that Rick could conceivably have here that make a decent amount of sense. So given Brandon has Ace-Queen, he beats everything besides Ace-King. I think he should go for a medium-sized value bet here. He goes for 21,000 to 49,000. I think I would go a little bit bigger because a hand like even King Jack is not going to fold for 30,000 here. The problem with a smallish bet like 20 into 50 is that if Rick does have any sort of draw, you're not really giving him too terrible of odds to stick around. And if he has a hand like, like I said, King Jack or Ace 5 suited, he's going to call a bigger bet, right? So I think you'd rather just get an extra 10,000 bucks in the pot with what is very certainly or very likely the best hand here. Rick calls pretty quickly, and um, interestingly enough, <laughs> I think this is a spot where Rick could conceivably put in the check raise. I know it's aggressive, I know it's battly, but another general read you will find to be pretty accurate is when you check and your opponent makes a medium bet or slightly small bet, usually that's also a marginal made hand that's probably good that's trying to extract value, exactly like what Brandon has. And if that's the case, you can apply a lot of pressure to that in scenarios where you do have a whole lot of nut hands. The thing, though, is, is that really realistic that Rick would check the turn with a hand like pocket jacks or pocket sixes hoping to put in a check raise on this very coordinated board? I mean, probably not, right? So it'd be, it'd be a little bit fishy. Whenever, whenever something's a little bit fishy, you got to be careful giving that a try. We actually discuss this a lot at PokerCoaching.com, and I have a free downloadable PDF with my cash game tips for you. So make sure you check that out at pokercoaching.com slash cash tips. There you can download that PDF. And we talk about things like this. Like, you know, if the bluff does not make logical sense, good players will sniff that out. So Rick does call. And then on the river, Rick, again, immediately checks. I, look, you got to be careful with timing tells, okay? Timing tells are either not relevant at all for particular players, or they are very relevant. And I think that especially in live, casual cash games, I realize they're playing 400, 800, but this was a casual cash game, people's timing tells are usually reasonably accurate. And right here, when Rick snap checks the turn, snap checks the river, he almost certainly has a marginal made hand, which allows Brandon to very confidently put in a bet here. Even if the river was not a queen, if the river was a blank, like a three. I think Brandon could very confidently continue going for a bet given the way Rick has played this hand in this particular manner where he snap check calls turn and then snap checks river. And um, that, that allows Brandon to go for a pretty, pretty easy value. Now, again, every once in a while, when you go for this quote unquote easy value with the ace queen on an ace jack six, eight, any other cardboard, every once in a while, he's going to put in the check raise, which of course would be very, very bad. But um, this is a situation where I do think Brandon has a pretty easy value bet on most rivers, given Rick probably has that very clear marginal range. And on the river, Rick just selects to fold. Should he ever check raise here? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's probably fine just to fold. You got to realize when Brandon bets the turn and the river, he probably has like something pretty good, right? It's usually going to be a pretty good ace or better. And some of those improved, like random ace eight suited made two pair. If he happened to slow play a premium hand on the flop, he's not folding those. If he happened to have ace queen, he's not folding that. If he happened to have random king jack or king ten of clubs for you know flush draw, he's not going to fold that. So I, I would be pretty cautious going for a raise here. And Rick does just easily let it go. But a, a really key point in this hand here, I want to point it out just again because it is important, 
on the turn, when you have a lot of nut hands and your opponent does not have a lot of nut hands and you have a hand that realistically cannot win at the showdown, I realize Rick has a pair here, but it probably cannot win if it goes check, 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 right? This is a spot where you should highly consider turning your hand into a bluff, especially if you can apply a lot of pressure to your opponent. Other hands to turn into bluffs here, hands like 9-7 um, if Rick has it. Remember, though, he probably doesn't have 9-7 all that often because Jean Robert Ray is in Rick 3-bet, right? So the bluffs Rick has here are usually going to be maybe like 10-9 uh, of clubs. That'd be a nice hand to probably continue betting. Again, if assuming you never think you're going to get raised, which I don't think he is. You could definitely continue betting like king 10 of clubs, queen 10 of clubs. Even a hand like the backdoor hearts you could certainly bet. Um, but there really aren't a ton of combinations of those. And when there aren't a ton of combinations of the premium hands or the premium draws that lack showdown value, you want to look for other hands that can't really win at the showdown that also have pretty good equity if you bet and get called. And I think this 6-2 probably falls in this spot. And in cash games, when you're in a scenario where you think your opponent's range is very capped, like right here, I think Brandon's range is probably capped because like I said, a lot of people raise the flop with their best hands. When their range is relatively capped, you should perhaps drastically overbluff because you're going to find a lot of people in cash games, especially on TV, really don't want to find themselves making horribly bad, incorrect calls where you just like barrel off and they give you 250 big blinds whenever you have a set or two pair and they just have top pair bad kicker. So I think Rick should have gone for this and I don't know if it would have worked or not. I've seen Brandon make some pretty big calls before, but I do think that is the play that he needs to make in this scenario. So that's going to be it for today. Again, make sure you check out the 30-day cash game challenge at pokercoaching.com slash cash game challenge. That is happening right now. Get in there, study the game, and improve your skills. Hope you have a great, great week. Good luck in your games. If you like this video, do me a favor. Click like, click subscribe below. Also, there's a little notification bell. That way you will be notified whenever I put out a new video. I am doing my best to provide you lots of good, high-quality content here on my YouTube channel. And if you like it, give me a like and give me a subscribe. I would appreciate it. Have fun, and I'll talk to you next time. Thanks for taking the time to watch this video. I hope you enjoyed it. If you want more strategy lessons, pre-flop charts, and interactive quizzes, make sure you get your free membership to pokercoaching.com right now at pokercoaching.com slash free. I'll talk to you next time.